2: This is the John Fugelsang Podcast.
3: Temperatures on Earth are going to shoot past a key danger point, unless we do something to make greenhouse gas emissions fall faster than all the countries in the world have committed to. This came from the UN today, with the world's top body of climate scientists saying the consequences of inaction are lethal but saying there have been signs of progress. Governments agreed in the Paris Accord in 2015 to keep global warming below 2 degrees Celsius this century, ideally no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, but temperatures have already increased over 1.1 Celsius since pre-industrial time, and we can measure this by looking at all the flash floods and the extreme heat, the more intense hurricanes because the oceans are warmer, and of course, longer burning wildfires looking at you, Australia and California and then factor in shortages of resources, migrations. Uh, Protected global emissions from national pledges place limiting global warming to 1.5 centigrade beyond reach and make it harder after 2030 to limit warming to 2 degrees Celsius. It's really bad. Ongoing investments in fossil fuel infrastructure and clearing large swaths of forest for agriculture are really undermining all the curbs and emissions that are needed to meet the Paris goal. Emissions in 2019 were 12% higher than they were in 2010, and 54% higher than in 1990. And I'm telling you, man, the best part about being a climate science denier is not having to be around when your great-great-grandchildren curse you for your inaction. Let me go to Cheryl in Michigan. Cheryl, thank you so much for your patience on hold. I can hear you.
1: Um. Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> um. Normally, I don't call to talk about actors and actresses, but um, Marisa Tomei. I remember when she won Best Supporting Actress for her role in My Cousin Vinny, where mm-hmm. she played a crazy lawyer's uh, girlfriend, who I think was played by Joe Pesci. Yes. And the judge was played by uh, Fred Gwynn. Um. Yeah, who um played Herman Munster? Correct. So yeah, I love I love my cousin Vinny. I used to have like a a tape of it that I taped from TV, and I watched it a lot. I love that movie.
3: Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, And I got to admit, I was rooting for Judy Davis that year. Judy Davis is one of my favorite actors in the world, and she was up for uh, for Woody Allen's Husbands and Wives, which I think is a masterpiece of a performance. And the rumor always was that you know Jack Palance, who presented the award because he had won Best Supporting Actor the year earlier. For City mm-hmm. Slickers, that Jack Palance read the wrong name. And the Academy came out and said, no, no, he read the right name. She really won. Um, but people never believed it because uh, comedy never wins at the Academy Awards. And so to this day, Marissa Tomei has to deal with all that nonsense.
1: Yeah, well, I have going to law school once. I never did. But, you know, I like lawyer shows and movies, whether they're dramas or comedies. Yeah, right I on. really did like that movie. Anyway, Me too. have a good night. You,
3: too. By the way, I made a mistake. Uh, Her birthday is actually December 4th. I got my my 12 four birthdays mixed up with my four four birthdays. So happy birthday anyway to Marissa Tomei. (laughs) That happens sometimes. I'm not proud of it, but I'm glad we're all here and I can be in a safe space and reveal it. Hey, let's go to Sean in Pittsburgh. Sean, welcome. You're on SiriusXM.
4: Oh, good evening to you, John. Hi. Uh, Hi. Just uh, a couple of a couple of other things about the Grammys uh, to mention that uh, were especially pleasing to me. The winning streak continued for Summer of Soul. Yeah, right. Won an Oscar last week. Won a Grammy this week for music That's right.
3: That I'm was- so glad, and and awesome. thankfully, uh, the entire win was not completely overshadowed by a stupid act of violence.
4: Mm, yes, yes, indeed. And one of my very favorite bands, I've seen them crush it live uh, numerous times. They won a Grammy last night, Los Lobos. For they did Americana. for Americana.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Los Lobos. I've seen them live. I saw Los Lobos once open for John Lee Hooker.
4: Oh, awesome. Awesome. And they are a band, I mean, they they are a band that can rock it, and they also do, I mean, it's an album of mostly cover songs, I think, by California songwriters. I've heard some of it. Uh, but they... they just rock out covers of people's tunes as well as their own material. They're, they're one of the best.
3: As far as I I'm completely concerned. agree. I mean, I think for a lot of people, my generation, we first learned of them when they scored a a hit. That their their first big crossover hit was a cover of La Bamba. Well, they La Bamba. redid La Bamba for the Richie Valens movie that Lou Diamond Phillips was in back in the eighties, mm. and that put them on the uh, on the radar for lots of like you know pop music fans. But over the years, they've done so much great music. Um, and David Hidalgo is. Uh, you know, if you've heard any accordion on any Bob Dylan album in the last twenty years, right. it's David Hidalgo of Los Lobos. He's Bob's oh, accordion man. Fantastic,
4: and and for years they wouldn't perform uh, La Bamba live, or they wouldn't do it on a regular basis because they, I guess, the word is they didn't want to be known for just that. Exactly. Um, because they had such this rich magazine of uh, you know this this great treasure trove, trove of music of their own. But the last time I got to see them about two years ago. Um, they finally rocked La Bomba and it was oh, <laughs> what a moment. What a moment. It was fantastic.
3: Yeah, I saw them with John Lee Hooker years ago and they just they just brought the house down. Just amazing. That's what they do. Right on. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank yeah, you. Great taste. Thank you. COVID hospitalizations in the U.S. have now plunged to their lowest levels for the first time since comprehensive national data became available. According to the AP, the average number of Americans hospitalized with COVID in the past week nationwide dropped to 11,860 on Friday. Now, almost 12,000 people hospitalized with COVID-19 sounds really bad, but that's the lowest it's been since 2020. And the peak we had was 145,000 people hospitalized with COVID just three months ago in mid-January. The previous low was 12,041 last June before Delta took hold. Remember Delta? Those are some good times, huh? Some hospitals say they're going days now without a single COVID-19 patient in the ICU for the first time since early 2020. Um, no reason to drop your guard because another wave is coming BA2 the Omicron subvariant the headline from London yesterday was a uh, UK hits record COVID-19 levels nearly 5 million infected and New York Times one of their top trending stories was a new wave of COVID-19 is coming how to prepare more or less they're recommending that you watch the stats on your area where you live don't wait for official warnings. Just start Googling the stats in your state, in your town, get boosted, get more 95 masks. Uh, They recommend getting a pulse oximeter. You can get those on Amazon. Um, COVID vaccine supply kinks are easing, but 44 countries, most of them in Africa, have less than 20% of the population fully vaccinated. And if you want proof that we are interconnected as a species, just take a look at Africa. Take a look at the red zones around the world where less than 20% of a population is fully vaccinated. Until Africa, until every nation has adequate amounts of vaccines and they can get them in people's arms, none of us are safe from increased variants. Worldwide, well, we've now lost 6,179,000 people, 492,700, I'm sorry, 492 million confirmed cases, 6 million. 179,000 confirmed deaths, 427 million confirmed recoveries. Here in the U.S., 81 million confirmed cases, 1,008,679 deaths, 65 million diagnosed Americans who have recovered. And um, I'm here to say that uh, I'm now in a household that can say that COVID has visited. We have been so careful. If you've been listening to this show, we've been broadcasting from home for two years now, since the 13th of March, 2020. I've been doing this from home. And here in New York City, I've talked a lot about how scary it was in the first months of COVID when New York was the world capital for infections, the world capital for hospitalizations, the world capital for deaths. There was a time when you couldn't walk around the city anywhere without hearing the sirens every place. And we have been so careful. And we were raising a little child here in New York... His last day of school was his eighth eighth birthday. He had his cupcake party, and then school shut down. He didn't get to finish second grade. And we have been hyper-cautious. And I've traveled. My wife and I have always tried to be very careful whenever we travel. Um, But uh, even though we've had our shots, we've had our boosters, my wife got her positive COVID diagnosis this past weekend. I am symptomatic. Um, I have incredible fatigue. I have incredible muscle aches, light fever, uh, sore throat, headaches, um, but I've had three negative tests, so I'm getting my PCR test tomorrow, but um, it's just more proof that the new variants are very, very transmissible. It is very easy to catch it. I'm very happy to say that my wife, Charmian, is doing okay. She has a terrible flu, bad sore throat. She's been in quarantine in the basement for a couple of days now. Um, and again, I, I've had three negative tests at home tests. I'll go for a PCR tomorrow to see, cause I got a lot of symptoms, but it, it's just more proof. You have to get vaccinated. You have to get the booster. Please, please be up on your shots. I feel a lot more comfortable about my child knowing that he's had two shots. And, uh, if, if, if I have it and my symptoms right now are as bad as it gets, I'm very, very happy. Um, Chris and Thea said to me that I should take the night off. And I said, no, no, I I don't have a positive test. uh, So I want to do the show anyway. I feel sick. I've been sick all weekend. I I slept like 30 hours this weekend. I can barely move, but I want to do the show. And then they said, no, no, you should take the night off because we don't like working with you and the show's awful. And I said, well, that's that's a whole other matter. So uh, I'm sorry for that.
5: Take the year
3: off. Take the year off. You said it with love, and I appreciate that. Mm. Um, I thought you were looking out for my health, but really you just wanted to have Naira fill in. So um, if you guys hear Naira this week, it means uh, daddy got sick. But if Chris freaking Cuomo can host a CNN show with COVID from his basement, bloody hell, I can do it from mine as well. So I'm very happy to be here again. I am am still negative. My wife is positive. Um, I will let you know it's really wild after giving these stats and numbers and facts every night. I could teach a community college course on COVID at this point for all the research I do. Uh, to finally have it in my door, it's very humbling. I'm very, very grateful that this miraculous vaccine has come to be that has protected so many people. And uh, it's just a miracle of science. It really is. Please, please. The vaccines do not keep you 100% safe, it's not about harm elimination. Like with the masks, it's about harm reduction. It substantially reduces your chances of having to be hospitalized and dying. It does not mean you won't get it, but if you do get it, chances are, unless you're in a major risk group, you'll have the effects of a bad flu or a bad cold. But please, 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 if for any reason you're still holding off, please get your shots. We want you to be around for a very long time. And if you're a Republican listening because you like to hate listen, please get your shots. Donald Trump has had his booster. Donald Trump lied to you and told everyone you love it was safe to go to church on Easter Sunday, 2020, when he knew for a fact it was airborne and deadly. Please, we want you to be alive a long time. You have so many more racists to vote for. You have so much more hate to wield online. Please, conservatives, your own leaders won't fight for your lives. Let us do it for you. In Iowa, Linda, thank you so much for your patience. You're on serious.
1: Oh, John, I would wait for you if that this was the Washington administration.
3: <laughs> well, thank you very much. I know George Washington was terrible about keeping people on hold. It really, really oh, You
1: know, I remember he had all those airports during the Revolutionary War. Oh,
3: yeah. I remember all those airports <laughs> in the Revolutionary War. And boy, he would make Lafayette wait. I mean, he would, like, make Lafayette wait in the Zoom room for such a long time. It's a miracle France stayed our ally.
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, John, I'm so sorry to hear about your COVID situation and that— Charmy has been ill, and um, and that you've been kind of ill too. So I just pray that your your son will uh, will stay healthy. Yeah. And um, by
3: by the way, my wife has it. I'm just looking for attention. I've had three negative tests. I just <laughs> I'm just needy. That's all. I'm just thirsty.
1: Nothing oh, John, you know what? I just feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. Like, I get to get on this national conversation, like, from your living room. And I just <laughs> feel like, like tonight, it was such an honor to be on the same broadcast as Bill from Pennsylvania because yeah. I love him. And I remember the night that you said, you know, Bill, we think you sound so much like Jimmy Stewart, and you just took the words right out of my mouth, John. I want you to know because... we waited
3: a long time on that. We thought, do you know, is it is it, is it going to sound like we're making fun of him, like we're taking the piss if we say you sound like Jimmy? But I just can't help it. I mean, gosh darn it. You know, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'm nothing more than a scurvy little spider. But but he's he's he saved Bedford Falls and he's a true gentleman, so I don't think he'd mind it. And Jimmy Stewart wouldn't mind it.
1: I just um and he has to, you, you can just tell I feel like Jimmy Stewart was a very sincere person. Of course I didn't know him personally, but I think Bill comes across as being a very sincere person, and um, and I have a oh John, I have a proposition for you and Mitch from Kent State.
3: Oh, I really?
1: It would be Ma- so, madam. How
3: dare you? Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I think it would be so great if you and Mitch did a fundraiser for Tim Ryan, and the whole gist of the fundraiser is you could be doing like a Jeopardy show about um, rock and roll trivia. I <laughs> think that would be a blast.
3: You know that'd be a great way to turn away all the millennials. I got to tell you, Um, we would scare the millennials away faster than we'd scare the uh, single women away with a fundraiser like that. But I like Tim Ryan. I I would love, I would love to do a fundraiser for him any time. And if they ever are looking for a bunch of comedians to come and uh, and hype the man up, I'd be honored to because I think he's a a well. You know,
1: I just um, well at one time I did live in Tim Ryan's district, but I moved out of there before he became elected congressman. I had Jim Traffikant when I lived there. (laughs)
3: <laughs> My, that must have been bring fascinating for you.
1: Scotty. <laughs> and, um, he was, you know, Jim Traficant.
3: And... He was, he was, I mean, it's really important to bring him up and remind people that Democrats throw out their own corrupt members, Democrats eject them, Republicans re elect them. And I, and, and it's always important to remember that Jim Traficant was a Democrat and he was a crook and he went to jail for it and he had the yeah, worst hair is. in all of Congress. Um, but then he, you know, what I remember about Trafficking, by the end, like, he was trying to use his hair as a joke, as a goof, to try to distract from his own corruption. He was saying, it's true that I use my, a weed whacker to cut my hair, but uh, I'm not corrupt. These charges against me are false. And I was like, oh, dude, you're co-opting your own joke. No,
1: no. And hey, John, did you know this? That his wife was a hairdresser. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <Really>? yes. Yes.
3: <laughs> well, the hair wound up being the most likable thing about him.
1: Yeah, really. Um, well, I uh, I pray I stayed safe. I just got back from Arizona. Hadn't traveled extensively like that. Went to the Grand Canyon, John. Touched one million-year-old rocks. Wow. It was just fabulous. And Very then nice. I was in Arizona. Oh, that's what I Chuck Grassley's wife,
3: was- wife said, by the way. Go on.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, John, I would just love it if we could just get him out of the Senate this year, and we just might do it. I'm not going to be one of these naysayers.
3: Did you see the footage of Chuck Grassley doing a town hall and a Republican gentleman was there and he was saying, I voted for you my whole life. But this guy was saying how disgraceful the the treatment of Katanji Brown Jackson was and how all of these Republicans were just doing it just to get their moment on TV. And Chuck Grassley agreed with him. And then the guy said, I think you've just put party over your state. And but, but Chuck Grassley agreed that it was all a bunch of showboating. To, to attack Katanti Brown. And this is a white conservative fella in Iowa calling Chuck Grassley out, saying it was disgraceful. And Grassley agreed, and I'll bet you anything, he votes against her anyway.
1: Yeah, I, oh, he, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Um, I have some other exciting news. When I was in Arizona, Rita Hart called me. Rita Hart, who ran for Congress in 2020, lost by six votes. Wow. And she's now our local Democratic Clinton County Democratic leader. And I am going to be on the I'm I'm hopefully that I will be voted to be on the uh, central committee for our local oh, democratic nice. party. And she was she was interviewing me about my interest in that and I said Oh, and by the way, I do get to talk to this national talk show host every <laughs> once in a while. His name is John Fuglesing. Oh dear. And I said I talk to him about Iowa all the time. And she said, "Well, let me put you down for the communications committee." And I well, there thought, you go. Perfect. <laughs> nice.
3: Well, you tell her go if ahead. she wants if she wants to have some kind of celebrity fundraiser, I will send Mitch from Kent State there, and he could do a set.
1: Oh. And I, since since I listen to you, I will know who Mitch from Kent State <laughs> is, and yeah. since I do have some Ohio and Kent connection. <laughs> nice, nice. But um, but anyway, and I just I know I I always want to be conscious of time. Biggest thing going on in our county is a solar farm. They had a big yeah. meeting on that last week, and um, I'm getting worried because I wrote two editorials in my paper. Local paper has not printed them, and the oh. last one was on in support of the solar farm. And people, we had some conservative farmers that I've done the research. I think this is a good idea for Clinton County. Other people say, oh, we can't stand looking at the solar panels. And what about protecting Iowa farmland? And not only that, our property values and John, just like you were saying earlier, Insanity. insanity, that's right. Because if we don't get this climate change thing addressed, there will be no Iowa farmland to protect.
4: Exactly. And not
1: only that, but this is an interesting fact that the longitudinal um, line with regarding irrigation of lands in the United States, it used to be west of Cozad, Nebraska, which is in mid-Nebraska. Well, yeah. now it's moved to Omaha. And, with, you know, we're right across the river from Omaha. So anyway, but, okay. um, oh, John, I just wanted to call and just say hello.
3: Thank you. I need to talk to a great comedian and I am so happy. Rhonda handsome still talks to me. Rhonda is a terrific comic writer, director, actor. She's open for Anita Baker and Diana Ross and Aretha Franklin. She's had several great solo shows. You can catch her on politipod available on SoundCloud. Uh, And um, without any further ado, hello, Rhonda handsome. I'm black y'all. How are you?
6: (laughs) Well, I'm great. And I'm wondering, you know, I didn't catch all of the Grammys, um, I, I came in late, and I just asked people if any shots had been fired. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I am aware from social media that an all-white band won Best Reggae Album. Is this true? Is this oh. really true?
3: I'll have to go to the judges. Chris, is it true that an all-white band won Best Reggae Album? I mean, if Macklemore can win Best Hip Hop Album, I, I assume this can happen.
5: Um, yes, and I'm proud of my work.
3: Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, Lord. That's why you're in Vegas. I'm so sorry, Chris.
5: Jerks. Um, I'm looking, and that is true. Uh, Yes. Possibly a band called Soja. S-O-J-A. Okay, so you know, John.
6: Uh, thank you, Chris, for confirming that. Look, it's, I, the, it's
5: the it's global music, Rhonda. It's global music, Rhonda.
6: Tell me anything, Chris. Tell me anything. I'm the kind of person. I live in New York City. I walk into a major jazz club like the Blue Note or or uh, Smoke Away. I, I have seen twenty musicians on stage. Playing jazz, and not one of them black—not <laughs> one of them—and <laughs> it—it uh, it really is a little startling for me. And the—the—the uh, the, the global music uh, appropriation of of black sound is just stunning. It's absolutely stunning to me.
3: By the same token. We, we, we like it when African-Americans have country music songs, right? I mean, you Well, know. we started country music. Well, I mean, it all started <laughs> they, together, they right? They just like, wouldn't
6: let us play at the, the uh, Grand Ole Opry, which actually I did play there when Anita Baker, uh, when I played, opened for her. You
3: opened for Anita Baker at the Grand Ole Opry? Tell me
6: this. Oh, story. I've been around the block, John. I know. <laughs> I know you've opened
3: for for Miss Baker
6: yeah we were in addition to radio city musical we did do uh you know all those types of venues across the country and uh the grand Ole opry was one of the uh historic ones yeah yeah
3: brilliant brilliant yeah well, how are you uh doing i'm Ms. great Ms. handsome
6: yeah I- i'm great and um you know, I, I'm just trying to keep up with the parade, John. There's so much going on. You know, we have we have all of the. Uh, you know, we had the tragic mulatto meltdowns, and now we're involved. We're engrossed in this reparations controversy, and and it's really startling to me that now that reparations is being talked about almost every single day, all of these. Uh, white people or white appearing people are starting to talk about their black ancestry. and it reminds me of the five dollar Indians coming up and paying to be be part of some <laughs> some nation so that they can they can get the bag. I mean everybody's going for the bag, John and well, and, and, and and you know now that before black people get reparations, Gay people who were denied being buried are going to get reparations. I'm telling you now, it, it, I, I don't leave the house without a strap on now just so that I can get the bag. But <laughs> well, listen, I, 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 I
3: guess I can tell you haven't been watching Tucker Carlson too much, Rhonda, because I hate to tell you, but uh, white men who were born millionaires uh, they're the victims of wokeism, and they deserve reparations the most. I learn this all the time. Wealthy white guys are the real victims here. But wait, what? what is – I'm sorry to rewind a bit. What's the mulatto meltdown? What did I miss?
6: Well, there was um, Mike McDaniel, the so-called black NFL coach who, who was – Whiter than Biden and can't bring himself to say he's black. He can't even say a crayon is black. He'll look at a box of crayolas and see that color and go, is that midnight? Is that charcoal? You know, is, is that dark gray? He he refuses. He's one of those I'm a human being people, and he doesn't even look black, and he refuses to identify as black, but he's a diversity hire with the NFL. And uh, and then of course there was uh you know Newton with her her tragic right. mulatto meltdown, uh, oh, yeah, and
0: well.
6: it, it, it just it just keeps going. It just keeps going.
3: Wow. Well, uh thoughts and prayers for all our our <laughs> our. Uh, can we still say mulatto, Rhonda? I think we're, we're we're mixed race now, right? We don't do we still well, say mulatto anymore? That's
6: what I call my son. He's
3: <laughs> okay. What does he call himself? What does he identify as? <laughs>
6: He identifies as the strong, funny, swarthy guy. <laughs> ah,
3: ha, ha. Hey, listen. Um, it's a bit premature, but I want to I want to celebrate. Uh, it looks like, in spite of all eleven Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee voting against her confirmation, Ketanji Brown Jackson will be the first Black woman on the Supreme Court. Only a hundred years too late, but still, it's it's amazing that someone this qualified. Uh, can still be controversial to these people. And earlier in the show, I, I I was talking about it. We've got three Republican senators so far who've said that they will go along with it, uh, that they'll vote for her. She's overwhelmingly qualified, uh, arguably the most qualified person of our lifetime, maybe the most qualified since, I don't know, Thurgood Marshall to be nominated for the court. And, um, and yet I'm mystified why, I, I, I get that these Republican senators are terrified of the racists back home primarying them for a bigger racist, but you'd think some of them in safe districts would just say, hey, let me look like a good guy in the history books and vote for this woman.
6: Oh no, John, it's all performative. The uh, the only reason that she's in there is because everyone knows she's not going to empower black people, but they've got to put on this show and and carry on, you know, and and, and bring up all of these, you know, ridiculous uh objections and 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 act out, oh, I'm not going to vote for her. I mean, I aren't some of the people who actually have pro of supported her through the ranks of, of, of the judiciary now saying they're not going to vote for her. Is that, is that happening? No, I haven't heard that.
3: I've only heard three Republicans have come forward. Only three so far have said they're going to vote for her. But I mean, you know, one justice doesn't have the power to do anything on their own for, for black people, but at the same time, is it not significant that a public defender is going to be on our Supreme court? I think that's every bit as, as historically significant as her gender and her race.
6: It may be for white people, (laughs) but uh, not not for black people. I mean, that Lockheed Martin decision really hurts my soul. I mean, black people were in line for a settlement that Lockheed Martin had agreed to. And she dragged that thing out and denied it until they couldn't even come back and appeal. I mean, you know, it's. Of course, she's she's more qualified than than half the people who are already on the Supreme Court. But she's qualified to be there, as you know, that that black face in a high space.
3: Okay, well, now I'm miserable and I'm going to get a nice warm (laughs) bathtub and open up my veins and listen to some Leonard Cohen. Um, (laughs) Look, I'm sorry, Rhonda, maybe maybe I'm a simple white boy, but anything that makes the racist this angry to me just feels good. I can't help it.
6: Well, I, I know it does because you have a good heart, John, but it really is all performative. You know, uh, I, I it, it's it's like we're going to have a Clarence Thomas with, you know, sister locks. It, it,
3: it's a, <laughs> it's I, we a, have a lot of, show. <laughs> we have a lot of folks on hold. I want to go to some of the listeners uh, and I want to throw a few stories at you as well, Miss Handsome. Can you stick with okay, us for no, a bit? I want to, uh... to. Hello, Bill. Good evening and welcome.
2: Hi, John. Don't think positive.
3: What's that? Don't think positive. I'm not. I'm thinking very negative, and it's paid off. Uh, Rhonda, my wife, has COVID. B A two is my house. That. And I've I've uh, I've been thinking negative and I've been negative three days in a row. So hopefully I'm gonna and,
6: and B A two is for badass it <laughs> really is. Yeah,
3: I mean I if I if it's what I have, I mean I'm symptomatic. I, I have all the symptoms. I've read all these articles about it. It seems like I have it, but all the tests keep telling me I don't, but whew, I I just want to whine a lot and get a lot of attention and, and plead for sympathy. How are you, Bill?
2: I'm okay. I'm just sitting here in the dark. Um, oh anyway, well. well I get to see my distorted mental images you know I I hope they stop using the the word strong man because every time I hear I think of the carnival uh, uh, attraction the guy with the fur across one shoulder yeah and uh, with Putin's head on anyway yep. um, <laughs> anyway uh, I uh, uh, oh yeah and I heard something about the Pope. Might be yes. uh, doing a throwdown in that area with the uh, your, your, with the uh, Eastern Orthodox clergy there.
3: I had no idea. It's
2: like the Roman Catholic West Coast against the Eastern Orthodox.
6: Is it going to oh. be a prayer off of verses? What, what's what do you? I, I,
3: what is this?
2: <laughs> yeah, I had heard that he might be going to that area, though, which would be pretty cool.
3: Nice. Well, I would love it if he did. I mean, the Pope has been outspoken and fearless about a a lot of things, not enough. I thought it was a major story last week that he just came out and formally apologized for the reprehensible and evil and murderous treatment of indigenous kids in the residential schools in Canada. It took a lot of activists, a lot of First Nations activists, spent a long time trying to shame the Pope into doing this, and he did it. So I I kind of feel like this Pope is, unlike the previous Popes, This probe is one that, you know, you actually get results on. I mean, to apologize to all the Canadian Indigenous peoples for the Roman Catholic Church's role in these schools that try to erase their cultures. Um, I, I, you know, he said, for the deplorable behavior of those members of the Catholic Church, I ask forgiveness from God, and I would like to tell you from the bottom of my heart that I am very pained. I join my brother Canadian bishops in apologizing. I never imagined a pope talking like that.
2: Right. Uh, Well you know it's uh pretty cool but uh, was he uh, offering
6: anything uh, besides words
3: <laughs> so far no but oh, again this just, is the vatican we're talking, this is the vatican we're talking about just coming out and saying hey we're fallible historically it's pretty big
2: but but, but john about this this war i Please. think it's one thing to be bombing military installations and empty buildings but once you start ta- targeting civilians It's a whole different story, and this bullshit about the NATO alliance and everything falls apart because Poland, which is a NATO member, is being inundated by people uh, fleeing uh, Ukraine because of the Russians. So indirectly, it's uh, a Russian NATO thing, and I can't see any reason to hold back. Really. Wait, I'm it, I'm so
3: conf- I'm so confused. What it, so what is your problem with NATO here? I'm 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 like I'm all for condemning governments that bomb civilian areas, and I'll start with my own because the atomic bomb never needed to be dropped on residential areas of Japan, and Eisenhower, Supreme Allied Commander, said so himself. Uh, what are you referring to though when you talk about this NATO thing? I'm
2: referring to NATO, which represents 950 million people on this earth, having more authority. To stamp out this nonsense and just uh, go, you know, just drive all the Russians out, period. When they're committing mm-hmm. war crimes, you have to stop it.
3: Right, but it, to... it's the same problem. It's the same problem we always face. Um, we don't, it, it's twofold. One, uh, they have nukes. And two, so, we don't know if Putin is nukes. playing the Madman Act or if Putin really has reached that level of authoritarian dementia. We don't know what we're dealing yeah, with here.
2: But I don't, if he wants to use it, I don't think that we're going to uh, make him do it. I think he would use it anyway. And, uh, you know, he'd be killing himself or he would be irradiating Russia. You know, the wind doesn't blow in one direction all the time. That's why and, I don't understand.
3: Like, why the hell were they, were they shelling Chernobyl? Like, does he not think the wind blows east now and then? I don't understand. I mean, like, literally, I've spent so many years saying Putin is this evil, wicked genius who is so ruthlessly efficient and the most brilliant politician of my lifetime. I mean, you look at how—someday they'll write the book about how he made Brexit happen, he made Trump happen. And to see this guy do something—we expect evil from him, but I don't expect this rank and competence and— craven stupidity that we've seen that
6: was Rhonda? that was stupidity i felt like it was something out of a south park cartoon that they you know these men there's so many of of the soldiers are suffering from the irradiation and and i'm going it's chernobyl what do you expect i oh, I, I, I know the though they, they
2: were a nuclear power plant they knew nothing and now he's conscripting people you know
3: I, I, yeah, well, I mean, he's conscripting people, but he told them they were a lot of these soldiers were told it was training exercises. exercises. They were told that they were going to be crossing a border and slaughtering civilians, which is what they've been ordered to do.
6: They thought they were right, going to be I'm doing Pilates. All right. <laughs>
3: How dare you? How dare you? These are nice people.
2: Yeah, but I, I'm disappointed in the Russian people because nothing will make them budge from their loyalty to a dictator.
3: Okay, but to that, to that, let me just point out one thing. Imagine if the Whoa. only news in America was Fox News. You'll understand then Uh-oh. what it's like for the Russian people because there but, is no more independent media in Russia. All the independent media has shut down. So all they get right. is state-sponsored propaganda like it's the Soviet Times, Chris.
5: You don't even have to you don't even have to go that extreme with it. I mean, I remember in 2003, like, you know, we we get all these listeners that talk about, well, you see the protesters in Moscow, the protesters in Moscow. I remember protesting and marching in New York City against the war in 2003. I remember the NYPD with their video cameras Mm -hmm. taking all of our pictures. Yeah. And did we oust oust the White House? Did we uh, storm and kick out the president for an unjust war? No. And most of America was way behind that war for 20 years. Yeah. And
3: act, well, a hundred million of us weren't, but, you, but your point is well taken. I mean, when there were no WMDs found, and we all knew they had lied us into war, and the American people fucking reelected him anyway,
5: like and it's, they all fell for it. But I'm just saying, you it's not—it's not hard to understand how a nation of people under the influence of any media um, can can be sold a story and believe it, yeah. because yeah. your soul's at stake. You have to believe it, or else you're the bad guy. That's so true.
2: I think I think you just got to stop it and not sit on the side because people are being murdered. And once you cross that line from being military to uh, um, wiping out, you know, whole whole people, genocide, that's 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 something you have to stop. No matter how you do it, I don't care about the guy. If he lit off a, a one nuke, he would probably be, uh, you know, he would probably be uh, out of your office pretty, pretty quickly. You think and Putin
3: would be thrown out of office really for tough. one nuke? You think that would really happen? I don't think it would. In fact, I think Putin. Been dreaming. Gets, <laughs> I think I think the way it is with mutually assured destruction, I would submit to you that Putin gets one nuke, with no response from the West. He can set off one, and, and, and the NATO partners will not respond in kind
2: uh-huh john you're better at these war games than i am i uh don't usually think that
3: way but no. uh i watch a lot of tv so i know what i'm talking about <laughs>
6: so you're saying that uh nato would be like uh, chris rock taking that slap from <laughs> will smith just, just looking they around would take
3: like, what?
5: what they would take
3: them? one slap I it mean, only he... took one slap <laughs> right I I, th- I think that I think that the world would say, okay, uh, if we respond in kind, we run the risk of global destruction. And what's worse? I mean, this is a guy who has the ability to kill every life on Earth. Yeah. And now he's committing right. genocide in one region. What do you do when a guy who could kill all of us is killing right. a few thousand of us?
2: Right. Wow. And, and, I don't like how they're
3: holding back. I don't like it. I want to see a no-fly zone. I want to see jets. I want to. I want to see MIGs there. But I understand the restraint. I get it. Turn
6: off his Wi-Fi.
3: Turn off his Wi-Fi. The academy needs to kick him out along with Will Smith, and then he won't get screeners anymore. He'll be furious.
2: There you go, John. I mean, uh, it's it, it's pretty sucky to have to watch this, and I, I hope to God that it ends quickly.
3: And I hope so too.
2: Whatever force it takes to get. Grit of that strong man
3: is uh, a good one. I agree. Thank you, Bill. From your lips, I love you. thank you so much. We're at eight six six nine nine seven grit. Rhonda, shifting gears. Yes. Um, I'd love to ask you about. Uh, well, let me play a clip. I, I'm a fan of great journalists, um, but I've only got a clip of Peter Ducey. So this is Peter Ducey from the film deuce and deucier, uh using his time today to ask Jen Psaki about Florida's anti-gay education law. Now, uh, Ron DeSantis is very mad that we're calling it the don't say gay law. He wants to have his own campaign of don't say, don't say gay. Um, the real truth of the law is you're allowed to say gay as a teacher, but every batshit parent would therefore be allowed to sue you and sue the school and the district because you said gay. So it's not actual censorship it's fear of lawsuits that's going to scare teachers into self-censoring. But here is the pride and joy of Fox News nepotism asking Jen Psaki about this earlier today.
5: A5. At what age does the White House think that students should be taught about sexual orientation and gender Douchebag. identity? Douchebag.
0: Well, Douchebag. I would say, uh, first of all, Peter, um, we have spoken to uh, the Don't Say Gay bill in the past, I believe is what you're referring to, and made clear that... Uh, as we look at this uh, this uh, this law, uh, what we think it's a reflection of is politicians in Florida propagating misinformed, hateful policies that do absolutely Boom. nothing to address yes. uh, the real issues. Uh, the Department of Education is well positioned and ready to evaluate um, what to do next and uh, when and its implementation. Whether the, its this implementation violates federal civil rights law, uh, but. I would note that parents across the country uh, are looking to, um, you know, uh, national, state and district leaders to uh, support our nation's students, to ensure that uh, kids are treated equally in schools. And that is certainly not, this is not a reflection of that. And
5: and so, just the last one, so if you guys oppose this law that bans classroom instruction about, about sexual orientation and gender identity in K through three. Does White House support that kind of classroom instruction before kindergarten? Do you
0: have examples of schools in uh, Florida that are teaching kindergartners about sex education? I'm just
5: asking for the president. Well, I think that's a
0: re- I think that's a relevant question because I think this is a politically charged, uh, harsh law that is putting parents and LGBTQ plus kids in a very difficult, uh, heartbreaking circumstance. And so I actually think that's a pretty relevant question. Go ahead.
3: And teachers as well. Rhonda, Peter dixon is a tool and she handled the tool. Go ahead.
0: But this is really the
6: sexual version of CRT. I mean, nobody's yes. telling kids in kindergarten about that. And the and the fact remains, if American parents actually gave intimacy discussions to their children and not leaving it up to the, to the public school system, this would be a moot point entirely. But well,
3: it's already uh, a moot point. It's already a moot point because there, here's what I say to everybody who, who defends this law. I, I always ask the same question. What problems in society does this law solve? This came about because there was one child that told its teacher, told, told their teachers that they were transgender didn't tell their parents because they were too afraid. And the school didn't know the parents didn't know, so they let the child use the bathroom they wanted to use. The parents found out and wanted to sue the school. And so Republicans realized, here is a chance for us to beat up on gay people and gay kids. The point is, there is no problem. No one's trying to teach second graders what lube and glory holes are. This is There's no controversy. To me, it's like CRT, but it's even more like uh, the voter ID laws because there is no problem in this country with voter impersonation. That's what voter ID laws are supposed to solve, right? But it's a solution in search of a problem. It really is. And this is is a bunch of politicians who have nothing to offer non-millionaires trying to gin up a controversy they can pretend to help. It's all culture war bullshit. And I thought Jen Psaki handled it better than I've heard anyone handle it.
6: But John, you know, you actually said that that young person was afraid to come out to their parents. And that's my point, is that we don't have any kind of of process, that the parents, for to actually help young people look at this in the home. that's I think that's where it needs to start. And I, I mean, we can barely educate people on, on calculus and, and the weather. Why are we trying to tell them about something as special, as intimate as sex?
3: But that's the thing. No one's trying to do it. And that's the big lie. And when I get my trolls coming at me with this, I always ask them, who's doing this? Tell me the Florida teachers that are trying to teach K-3 through three about sex no one's doing it and what's most insidious about the law is that there's actually a a a clause in it where it says you know k through three uh it it prohibits teaching about sex to k through three or or if it's inappropriate and goes against state guidelines and there are no state guidelines so it's in that way it's like crt it's like voting uh, voter id but it's also like these abortion laws we've seen in Texas, in Missouri, where you can sue a woman if she terminates a pregnancy, where it allows people, it, it deputizes uh, batshit citizens to go ahead and sue people. In other words, instead of the state coming down on people, they got around it. Instead of locking women up for abortion, they're not going to do that. They're going to allow every fake Christian batshit racist out there to sue the women. And that's what this law does. And you know What? When enough of these of people sue school districts, it's going to be the local taxpayers who are hurt by it. It's so stupid, and it's another example of the Republicans having nothing to offer non-millionaires.